Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Hi, it's Susie on Let's Travel Radio, and I'm here with a friend of Let's Travel Radio because Karen was on, God knows, must be eight or nine years ago, Karen Coonrod, who is uh, the founder of Compagnie de Colombari, which we just heard them do a wonderful rendition of uh, Walt Whitman in honor of his birthday. Yep. Um, and so it's, we're here at the old Army Plaza. <laughs> Plaza Public Library in Brooklyn. So, Karen, please tell us a little bit about the company, your vision for it, when it was started, and what it's all about. Sure. So, Compagnia Colombari began its life in 2004. We started work in Italy, doing the medieval mystery plays, and in 2008, we started with uh, to, to work on this uh, particular uh, text, which was Walt Whitman's song of myself that he created in 1855 when he was 36 years old. And I brought together musicians uh, who I had heard at Barge Music and was just smitten. I think they're some of the best musicians in the land, actually. So Colin Jacobson and Kyle Santa and Eric Jacobson and Alex Sopp. They are the original, they're the composers of the piece. We started working in 2008, and then in 2010, we started to go out into New York, and the country at that time was very polarized. It's even more polarized now. So here, on the occasion of the 200th anniversary of Whitman's birth, we wanted to seize it and actually uh, sing this democracy out. Um, We've, many of us have been working for many years uh, in different, but actually Beatrice and Giovanni and Sarah were Compania uh, de Colombari for more than 10 years, actually, so in different ways. And your so, vision is not only that um, theater and the drama like this should be accessible to everyone, but that should be a part of it, because I noticed there were people in the audience that were part of this production. Yes, that's a good question. This in particular is interwoven with the audience. Not every single thing is done that way, but but we, in fact, this time we started an initiative of having poets to talk back to Whitman because of his 200th anniversary of the birth, and, uh, and then we also had, um, and of course, we have all of us, but we have audience members speaking back passages of Whitman. Uh, we don't do that all the time, but this this is this is a piece that really wants to crash through the boundaries, you know. So that's why. I think Michael and I first saw you in Orvieto. I think oh. we may have seen you in. in all right. Orvieto. So then you saw Giovanni yeah. play Jesus. Yeah, I think we did. I yeah, think we did. Yeah, I love so, Orvieto. It's such a good setting for that that that, that uh, church there. You know. Okay, we're and we also around. love languages, so oh, that, yeah. this well, is a I big part of the car. I speak French, a little Italian, not Have as you? much as I'd like, but anyway, uh, we're going to go around the table. We're going to go around the table, and everybody introduce themselves uh, as uh, people who are in, you know, the, the, the uh, performers in this thing today. And I'd like to know what this piece means to you and why you think it's important. I'm Sarah Heltzel, and I'm in the piece. I um. This, this poem speaks to me so much because it's so much about uh, the interwoven nature of existence, the universality of 
how we are all intertwined and how, um, as Giovanni speaks in the piece, if you whoever walks a furlong without sympathy walks to his own funeral. And I just feel like that's something we need to take to heart during these times in particular, and that there seems to be so much policy being made that's just about greed and that we need to be supporting everyone. And so this, this piece to me just speaks of life. My name is Giovanni Pucci, and I'm also uh, a performer in the piece. And, uh, I mean, so many things, you know. Uh, what's incredible is that uh, Whitman has this cosmic vision, but he also has a vision that's extremely political. And so he goes beyond and deep, but he's also right there with us in the streets, in the crowds, and he's talking to each one of us. At the same time, he's, like, speaking and mentioning and naming things that I've thought of in my, like, most private moments and my most kind of like my deepest inner thoughts he's naming them so I think it's for me it's just such a pleasure to say these words out loud and own them for a moment you know own them and share them really not own them share them for a moment with other actors with an audience with Karen with you and then maybe maybe in that way you get people thinking about some of the things that we should all be thinking about today yeah and thinking about how we're going to change them maybe in the near Okay, would you and both of you, I'd love to know both of you. Well, I'm Beatrice Bolden. And I'm Ashlyn Isler. And for me, this piece is special because of, one, the generation that I am in. I think it's important for everyone in my generation to know Whitman, to know how things were back in his day, what he was about, and to know that you embody change, and it starts with you. He was about change. He was radical. And I think it is important that people understand that once we all come together, we can make a difference. He speaks from the soul. Um, he says things that all of us think but sometimes don't have the courage to say. So he's telling you to take that courage, take that fierceness that you have within you, and don't be afraid to let it show. Like Gio said, he is speaking the very inner parts of me and allowing me to not be afraid and share them. And especially with cross-generations and cross-culture, we need to understand that we are all going through the same thing and we need to come together, especially to take over all of the nonsense and the <laughs> flat and foolish that is going on. Yes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now we have the youngest member. Come on, just say, just say one just or say two hi. words. Why you were... Why you, can you tell us why you were interested in doing just this? Tell you're interested to do this because you knew I was going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> tell your name. Whatever you want to say, Alice. This is Ashlyn. The reason why I did this is because. The reason why I did this is because um, it's about like people like you you care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was excellent, Ashlyn. Answer is right. Yes. Uh, my name is Frank uh, Rodriguez, and I am from uh, Montevideo, Uruguay. And this piece, uh, piece speaks to me um, because I have uh, the experience as an immigrant. I've been here for about 40 years. And like Dietrich was saying before, now is a very difficult time in our country. And uh, it is important to have a piece like this one that speaks to everybody. White people, black people, but also immigrants. We're all citizens of the city, of the world, or whatever. 
and uh, and what attracted me to this piece, of course, to work with the great Karen. I mean, she she's amazing, and I I learn. I, I come in knowing nothing, and I get out knowing a lot. And with all the other wonderful actors, with you know, they're amazing. Um, and, and what attracted me from this uh, for, for, uh, from this piece is the simplicity. You know, Whitman uses so many amazing words and a language that's so beautiful, but at the same time it speaks to the simplicity of life, basically. You know, uh, the wife, the, the, the children, you know, the old man, just simple things with beautiful words. And that's what well Whitman is, I think, in a way. Pass it to you. Thank you. <coughs> is it right? Yep, it's fine. Hi, I'm Sandro Isaac. I'm from Brazil. I was born and raised in Rio de Janeiro. And uh, I mean, what brought me to this piece was, first of all, curiosity. I was very curious. Uh, I mean, I'd worked with Karen before, but never in something uh, so current. It was mostly Shakespeare and Pirandello. And, uh, and I, wanted, I was curious about the experience and about this. But because um, I knew some Walt Whitman, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm well versed in Whit- was well versed in Whitman. But I always felt like I was reading as the outsider. And then with this approach, I got to know it better, and it felt so comfortable. Because, yeah, in the end, what I feel like he's saying is, let's find what we have in common, not what we have, you know, what we're, how we are different from each other, yet still keep our individuality. We're all important the way we are. I was trying to say this, but I grew up in an atmosphere where my mother was part of something called the Workshop for Cultural Democracy. It was founded by a well-known at the time, Rachel Dubois, who was a Quaker person. And she felt, and they would have dialogues. Yeah. We would do, they would do dialogue. And every every time around Christmas time, they do Festival of the Light, of Lights, uh-huh. Diwali, and all, all uh-huh. the different festivals. And so it was, you know, it was, yes, you can maintain your own culture, and Rachel was very much involved in that. You can be part of the common, but keep your own roots and keep your own your own culture. Yeah. Don't you think that's important? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. To be, to go deep into your bedrock and go deeper and deeper, especially when you get discouraged, just keep going because there's more to find, and you mine it. But then also to share, and this is, you know, to, to realize that you're one of many and that together, you know, with the infinite variety, I like that, just quoting Shakespeare, but the infinite variety of our differences, we, we can really create a beautiful community, um, beautiful community. But in our own selves, we go deep, deep, deep. Well, yes, and then you find the common secrets. We the do. We do. You know, we're all... We're all in this planet together. Yeah. I mean, you know, I... And it's amazing to have this time that we share now. I I sometimes think about the fact that that we are all alive now, you know, and that's kind of... We we weren't alive in 1855. No. Uh, We are alive now together, and that gives us a lot in common. That alone. It's not the same time as Shakespeare. It's not the same time as the Greeks. It's not the same time as, you know... St. John the Divine. We're we're now <laughs> with each other. With each other. Yeah. I just saw a fabulous play at the public, Socrates. How is it? Good. Oh my God, it's ah. fabulous. It's only until June second, but it is uh, it, it's incredible because you realize. I mean, I read Plato 
thousand years ago. <laughs> you know, but when you hear it again, yeah, and it's so prescient and it's so alive for yeah. now. And you, I, I was watching. It's almost a three-hour play, and I was watching. And we're so used to being on our our. Uh, devices where you can pause things you know you can you can go back and I felt like I wanted to go and pause and say would you please kind of repeat that line because it's so you know and yeah. Plato was not a big believer in democracy he didn't uh. care about the people he uh. thought the people were they couldn't really rule themselves you know so uh, I don't uh. know we have, we have intimations of this so I'd like to ask <laughs> another question mm-hmm. I'd like to ask you in your poetry in your poetry what speaks to the time now what what do you feel you have to say the about things that they speak yeah yeah, yeah. you say the, our poetry, the things we recite in the play yeah, what, what yeah. speaks to our time yeah. I, I don't think there's one line that doesn't right. speak to our time yeah, yeah. Um, but a standout? a standout I would say is um, I have said that the soul is not more than the body and I have said that the body is not more than the soul and the line that Sarah said, whoever walks... Oh, I mean, an eye or you pocketless of a dime may purchase the pick of the earth. And any man or woman shall stand... Um, what is it? <laughs> uh, supercilious. Supercilious. Um, yeah, before a million universes. Just like, you know, so beautiful. So beautiful. I have so many favorite lines from this show. Um, but the one that stands out to me and generally stands out to the audience is, do I contradict myself very well? Then I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. Again, has to do with what you embody and how much you give back. You know, you have to pour out if you want to see a difference, if you want to see a change. Even if you make that mistake and, and contradict yourself, fix it. Right. You know, make it right. You have that time, you know. So, yeah, that's... And they, Whitman is just so prevalent still to this day. Um, the voices of the interminable generations of slaves. The voices that could not speak. The voices that people keep to still try to silence. You know, the young, the old, the prostitute. Just because you don't agree with what their lifestyle. And again, with when it comes to religion and sexuality, everyone has an opinion. And just like right now, men are trying to decide what women do with their bodies. It doesn't, everyone doesn't believe in abortion, but you are not supposed to take that right away just because you don't believe in it. You know, you, you have to allow life to live and people to do with and make their own choices. This is not a dictatorship. I'm going to pass this along. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that like from the ones that I, Speak the uh, the trapper yeah. to me it resonates very. Um, it's very painful. It's very, and I think it's very. Uh, what's happening right now? I mean, jumping on what you said, like number one, everybody is enjoying, everybody's gaining with it, but the person who is pretty much being sold, she's just a product, right. and you know, she's not a woman. She's a girl. Number one. You know, so like, and when like the trapper, that image of what a trapper is, which is a man, man, with no man, and in my like probably no manners and no no sense of, you know, the other trapping humans, and then this person who is not even a woman yet, she is a girl, and if you put it nowadays, she is 
a minority of the minority, but she is the original minority who that was a majority. So it's really weird, you know, because it's very it's it's the idea that we see them as minorities, but they are the majority because they were here first. You know, so that's really odd. And let's not go on time. But the one line that actually resonates to me is one that uh, Deatrice actually says. And people usually find it a very light uh, line, but the armpit line. Yeah. Would you say it very quickly? The scent of these armpits are aroma finer than prayer. It's something about... It's... it's. it's I, I'm not even going to say what I see in it. It's just like whenever you say that, it's just... Everything to me is in that line. It's right there. But you're right. You know, I mean, it's all this. We're back to being girls. We're back to right. having people decide for us when we are actually. Like you want to put us in a corner somewhere for punishment. That's right. Okay. What I find, what I find today, what I find today is so disturbing. Is this whole thing where men and women are getting against each other, and studies that come out that say that men are afraid in business to be in a room alone with a woman, or to go out for lunch alone with a woman, which is just crazy. Well, I don't know, but where, where we are right now is, a, it is a crazy time. It's very volatile. Bye, darling. Um, but, but, you know, Doing, doing this work uh, is is very important because all the work of art is a, an upstream swim and it's very hard. Um, this we've radically given, you know, for free. Uh, it was very hard to find the venues and I know that it's a great piece. I know it. Um, and we all know it. And it should be playing, you know, all the time, actually. So, so... You know, it's it's a, it's quite a battle right now. It's quite a battle, but we're we just just to be in the room, just to to work on this material and to see the resonance. It's political, but it's also cosmic. The the resonance of kindness and generosity, and actually, you know, of of the <laughs> the cosmos making a way for the the birth of the of the child, the gratitude, and it is, and it does. Bring God in, you know. It's just very strong. It's I, very, I, very strong. I believe in the universe, and I believe yeah. the universe sends us sometimes what we need mm-hmm. if we just look for it. Now, please tell us your website and oh. all that. So we'll put it on our on our website. But let's okay. So Columbari, we are C O L O M B A R I, www.columbari.org. That's our website, and we. Yes, and we have information about this there. So, uh, and also we have Instagram and Facebook and that kind of thing. And yeah. what are you planning after this? Are you planning something? We have a Flannery O'Connor piece that we're going to be doing in the fall. We're going to be doing it in Chicago at Loyola, and we're also going to be doing it at Fordham in September, at the end of September. And one of the poets who's writing uh, a poem to Whitman in the final performance of this piece, June 1st, is actually the head of the Flannery O'Connor project at, at Fordham, and she's taking us on. So we're going to have a huge performance on this. I think it's the 28th of September in New York City. 28th of September in the Bronx. In the Bronx. In the Fordham. Fordham. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll put information on that Good. on our website. And it's Good. so great to reconnect with you. Yes, it's lovely. It's, it's lovely, great. Susie. So it's Susie on Let's Travel, and I'll be back. <laughs>
That was great. Really enjoyed the interviews with our old friend Karen Coonrod and her troupe. Now, before we go on to our next interview, let's listen to some of Compagnie de Colombardi's performance of More or Less I Am in celebration of Walt Whitman's 200th birthday, which was presented at the New York Public Library in Brooklyn at Grand Army Plaza. Enjoy. Did you read in the sea books of the old-fashioned frigate fight? Did you learn who won by the light of the moon and stars? Stretched and still lay the midnight, two great hulls motionless on the breast of the darkness. Our vessel, riddled and slowly sinking, preparations to pass to the one we had conquered. The captain on the quarter deck, coldly giving his orders through a countenance as white as a sheet. Nearby, the corpse of the child that served in the cabin dead face of an old salt with long white hair and carefully curled whiskers. The flame, spite of all that could be done, flickering aloft and below. The husky voices of the two or three officers, yet fit for duty. Formless stacks of bodies and bodies by themselves. Dabs of flesh upon the masts and spars. The cut of cordage and dangle of rigging. The slight shock of the soothe of waves. Black and impassive guns. Litter of powder parcels and the strong scent. Delicate sniffs of the sea breeze. Smells of sedgy grass and fields by the shore. Presenting mouthpiece of the forgotten, the natives who still reside in the dance, residue of every smell of brown kids and brown people scorching through the pavement to say, I'm here, I'm here, I'm still here, and you won't get rid of me. Procession, rapid, austere, 
on Let's Travel Radio again. And I'm here with a very special guest. His name is Mehmet Kilich, and he's president of Journalist and Writers Foundation, which we will talk about in a minute. He is a educator, volunteer, community leader, organizer, agent of positive change, which I love, and global citizen, which I love even more. I hope to be a global citizen. Uh, he has earned a master's degree at Mercy College at Dobbs Ferry, White Plains, and he is now pursuing a PhD in global and comparative education at Walden University. So welcome, Hammett. Susan, thank you so much for having me. This is an amazing experience, and I'm uh, very excited to you know talk to you about you know Turkey. Uh, our organization, United Nations, and many other questions, I mean, many other topics. We'll get off on everything. Now, you were born in Izmir, Turkey, right? Yes. And you have family still in Istanbul and Izmir? Uh, Yes, uh, I still have family in Istanbul and Izmir, and uh, that's our destination for summer vacations. (gasps) And uh, you know it's 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 great to be back there to taste Turkish food, to engage with friends and family members, and travel some historical you know like sites because Turkey is an open museum. Uh, it's uh, it's an amazing, of course, you know, experience to go to Metropolitan Museum of Art in here. But in Turkey, it's like when you turn to your right, there is a Hagi, you know Hagi Sophia. You turn your Right, you have a blue mask, and uh, you can, you know, touch the historical, uh, you know, monuments, and you can feel it, and you just think about it. You're like, wow, you know, like centuries ago, people they lived here, and now you're there. 
It, it's wonderful. I've only been in Turkey four days off a cruise ship, and it was so wonderful, and the people were so terrific. You're going to laugh, but I had one day in Istanbul. I went to the Blue Mosque, Kaga Sophia. I managed to buy some things in the souk and wander around, and I really, really want to go back. Uh, and, and, of course, I had, you know, I was on the bridge, so I had one foot in Asia and one foot in Europe, which is the mingling of cultures is just incredible. It is. It is. It is a bridge between East and West Turkey. Uh, again, not only in terms of culture, but in terms of people, the heritage. Uh, it represents, you know, both Eastern and Western civilizations and cultures. And I think, you know, like one of the greatest things that I experience while visiting in Turkey is the uh, the engagement that you have the people. For example, you go to, uh, let's say, Grand Bazaar. And even though you are just like window shopping, looking at things and, uh, you know, the uh, people, they said like, hey, come on in, you know, like you don't have to buy. And then they offer you tea. You know, for some people, they like apple tea, you know, like you have chat and then they throw some carpets. And then (laughs) (laughs) so it's it's, it's a great experience. And we went so many times with our American friends uh, for different occasions. And uh, every time that I go, I'm learning something different, experiencing something different, even though I lived in Istanbul for four years. Well, we do intend to go back. And when we go back, maybe we can go with you sometime well, because yeah. that would be a, a wonderful experience. And um, you have you wrote out something that is just wonderful. Turkey is like a cake with so many layers of civilization lived on top of one another. Could you give us sort of a brief history of the civilizations and what they brought to Turkey? Uh, yes. Uh, when we look at Turkey, it is a very multicultural, very diverse society in terms of its people, in terms of its food, music, heritage, colors, and everything. Uh, I went to Istanbul University, and uh, so I had the pleasure of visiting all these historical sites from the Byzantium. Uh, especially, I think, one of the images of Istanbul is Hagia Sophia, because Hagia Sophia uh, gives you, uh, you know, the blend of cultures from the Byzantium time to all the way to Ottoman time and the uh, current Republic of Turkey. And uh, I think, you know, it shows that the people of Istanbul shows respect uh, for the other civilizations that kept uh, all these, you know, buildings up until now. Uh, you know, there's a saying in Turkish, you know, like, if you use something, then it lasts for a longer time. I think, you know, like the people in Istanbul, they used the historical uh, buildings uh, that was built centuries ago, then preserved it, and then so that we can appreciate it as we uh, walk throughout. And then Hagia Sophia, for example, it was used as a church. It was the first uh, church, uh, the biggest church in the world at one time. Then it was turned into a mosque, and currently it's serving as a, uh, as a museum. So it shows that, you know, like, uh, you know, we still appreciate the Byzantium time, which is the Eastern Roman Empire. But at the same time, you know, like, you see a blue mosque, which is side by side. Okay, yeah. so you did not destroy one to build something else. So they are all together. And then the uh, the garden in between shows that, you know, like, both are res- respected, accepted, and there is inclusion of uh, civilization. So 
exactly. I, I wanted to give the example of like layers of cake. So you cut through it, and then every layer has a different flavor, different culture, and you enjoy it. And people really have a sense of that and want to preserve all of that. I know that you, Istanbul also has a, a Jewish quarter, a Jewish community in addition? Yes. Uh, Istanbul uh, has been the center of civilizations uh, for so many centuries. And currently, you know, like, uh, you know, like maybe, you know, like uh, the last uh, maybe century, we may have lost some colors. Uh, it became a little bit pale. But yes, we do have, uh, you know, like Jewish community, Christian community, Greek Orthodox community. And also we have like Muslims, but Muslims from all different spectrums, you know, like, for example, uh, my, my family side, my mother's side moved from Selaniko to Turkey. And then uh, one of my mother, uh, one of my brother-in-laws moved from Bulgaria and other from Albania. And then my wife, she's Kurdish. So we are a blend of different ethnicities and cultures living all together. Yes, the Kurds bring a big, uh, are a big force. It is in, I, in it Turkey is. and yes. and my God, they're great. They're great fighters, also. I mean, well, you know, like uh, of course, you know, like we have a lot of challenges in terms of you know, like cultural and linguistic rights for the Kurdish population, and uh, the government uh, did some good work uh, to uh, you know, like to respect their cultural and ling- linguistic rights. But however, it took long time. Still, there is some you know, like problems. It's not completely finished. I think we have some way to go. We have some way to go in this yes. country. We're not going to get into that. But anyway, um, the, the re- modern Republic of Turkey was founded in 1923 with Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, right? Yes. And what did he bring? What what changes did he bring to Turkey? I think, you know, uh, we have to go back to the uh, to the Ottoman time and then uh, the 19. 19- 1914, 1918, uh, during the First World War, all empires have had come to an end, and then new republics emerged. Uh, and at that time, uh, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, he was an amazing soldier. He's an amazing politician, a visionary person, who wanted to, you know, bring the Turkish and uh, and other societies to a modern democratic society. And uh, and he established uh, the Turkish Republic uh, with his friends. Uh, it wasn't, you know, like only, you know, like one group of people at the time. It was, you know, like uh, people from all different, like ethnic, religious, uh, cultural uh, backgrounds. Uh, and then this uh, republic uh, wanted to bring Turkey uh, to to the level of the modern European nations. And, uh, of course, you know, like, uh, you know, there has been some changes in terms of language, in terms of, like, alphabet uh, and some, like, uh, governance. So we are a parliamentary system, which has changed now recently to a presidential system. Uh, But, however, you know, like, Turkey is very dynamic. We have a lot of problems and a lot of opportunities, of course. But I think, you know, what we need in Turkey is to, you know, like, to keep our values, our democratic values. We have to respect rule of law and we have to respect human rights. Because yes. if something happening to you now, if I don't say anything to you about it, then that will happen to me. So we should, you know, like New York is an amazing uh, motto. If you see something, say something, right? If I right. see something wrong, right. I should speak about it. If I stay silent, 
then, uh, you know, like that thing will happen to me. So in Turkey, I think, you know, like we're learning about it. So some people, I would say like majority of the people are very silent about what's going on in Turkey. And, uh, and then the people who are silent are not facing similar situations as well. I mean, we don't want to go into yeah, politics. None, none, right. Yeah, right. But, uh, but yes. <laughs> yes, but I think, you know, uh, what I wanted to say is, you know, like we have to preserve and protect our uh, democratic values and human rights and rule of law uh, to, uh, you know, to have an inclusive society. Well, we have to do the same in this country. Unfortunately, it's under attack here, too. So, you know, there's a Jewish saying, I forget who said it, you know, it's like they came for the baker and I said nothing. They came for the shoemaker and I said nothing. They came for the grocer and I said nothing. And then they came for me and there was no one left to to stand up for me. So that really says what you're saying, which is, you know, we all have to respect each other's rights. Exactly. Thank you for reminding about this. Uh, you know, I think this is this, this tells what I'm trying to explain to you. So it's, it's you know, and, and it's, it's very, and you know, Turkey is very strategic. It's there with Europe, and yet it's, it's, it's in Asia and has the Middle East there. So it's a, you know, it's an entry point and all that. So it's, it has some challenges. And God knows we have challenges. So we're all going to work on them together. And part of the way you're going to work on it together is through your Journalist and Writers Foundation. So it's an international civil or society organization dedicated to advancing the culture of peace, human rights, and sustainable development. That's a tall order. That's wonderful. Now, could you give us a little background of the JWF? Uh, the JWF was established in Turkey in 1994 uh, by journalists, writers, academicians, uh, actors, and artists uh, to build a peaceful society, an inclusive society that uh, we all uh, have to live together and we have to accept our differences and uh, respect our uh, differences and we have to appreciate our commonalities. So within these goals of building an inclusive and peaceful society, the Journalists and Writers Foundation was established. And the organization brought together uh, uh, these intellectuals, civil society or leadership uh, from different religious, ethnic, cultural backgrounds to talk about some common issues in Turkey, such as Islam, democracy, integration to European Union, the Kurdish issue of women participation and interfaith and intercultural dialogue. How can we make Turkey better? And how, because, as you said, Turkey play is a, in a very strategic place. Turkey influences other regions, such yes. as like the Middle East, Central Asia, the Balkan region, and currently Africa. So how can we make Turkey as a role model as it used to be? So within these ideas and thoughts, the uh, organization has organized international conferences, seminars in Turkey. It was very well received. Then later on, it became a regional organization. It organized events in Africa, in the Middle East, in, uh, in the Eurasian uh, countries. And in 2012, the organization received uh, United Nations ECOSO consultative status, uh, which, uh, which was, uh, I think, cornerstone for the organization that it became a global organization. So uh, within that mandate, we wanted to help the United Nations achieve these uh, sustainable development goals, which has 17 goals and 
169 target, uh, which was adopted by all UN member states. So uh, this is an inclusive uh, uh, plan for the whole world for sustainable development. So the governments work on this, but how how should we as a civil society organizations to contribute in achieving all these goals such as ending poverty and hunger, uh, quality education, uh, gender equality, how do we reduce inequalities in the society, how do we build peaceful societies, and uh, uh, how do we build public-private partnership that we all work together collaboratively on all these issues. I think these are some of the uh, ideas uh, that the organization is trying to uh, achieve after uh, you know, like we have become more aligned with the uh, United Nations. So there is going to be a conference in September, right, at the UN. Yes, we will be organizing United Nations General Assembly Conference on September 25th, uh, 2019. And uh, everybody is invited. Uh, for those who would like to learn about the United Nations uh, General Assembly meetings, debates, and to become a global citizen to meet with people from all over the world, so they are invited. They can go to our website, www.unga-conference.org. So they can RSVP from this link. Can you give me a couple of examples of languages that are on the way to being extinct and that you're going to bring bring back? Uh, for this one, there are so many different languages, and these languages are not very well known. Uh, at the United Nations, when you go, you will see uh, Indian Americans with their outfits. They are trying to uh, promote and preserve uh, the Indian language and culture and the people. Uh, but of course, you know, like uh, from Australia, there are the Aborigines, right? They have indigenous people there. They have their language. And Canada has so many uh, indigenous uh, languages and uh, cultures. Uh, likewise, in Africa, in Asia. So what we're planning to do, uh, this is a project for the next five uh, months we are planning to do, uh, to uh, uh, compile uh, a book that includes uh, proverbs and uh, sayings uh, from different indigenous languages. So uh, hopefully when we have and we have this compilation of proverbs and idioms from indigenous languages, we would like to share it with the United Nations and uh, UNESCO that uh, so uh, we will have the proverb and explanation where it comes from uh, with the indigenous people. So it is something that we could preserve for the next generations. And that book uh, can be shared with students from different countries and they can get to know about other indigenous languages. And many people, I mean, including myself, I do not really know more about uh, these indigenous languages, but I happen to see a lot of uh, indigenous people from Latin America, Indian from American, Africa, I'm from sure Africa, Africa, yes. Uh, so they are coming with their outfits and uh, they are promoting. And also, I think I have to mention that there is uh, the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous uh, Issues. Uh, this is um, an uh, organization within the United Nations. It is mandated by the United Nations, and they have uh, advisors uh, from different countries, and they are trying to, you know, like raise awareness and then uh, develop policies for different member states how to preserve these languages and how to preserve the culture. And sometimes, like, these people, they want their, uh, like, uh, living environment to be, pre- uh, to be preserved and yes. respected. 
yes. right? Yes. Well, I mean, I think that's always, in the anthropological sense, that's always the sort of push-pull. You know, you don't want, I mean, I, you know, want to know that there are some people living without the outside world. Is that fair to them? I don't know. Should they be brought into the into the modern world with all its benefits and disadvantages? Or should they be, you know, left to, to their own devices? I I don't know the answer. I don't presume to know the answer, but I think that there's always that kind of push-pull. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think, like, in my opinion, uh, the people should make their own decision. Uh, we read articles about uh, indigenous people or, like, these uh, people living in, uh, in the Amazon in Brazil. So they are living in, like, very primitive, uh, you know, lifestyle. And, but they are very friendly with the environment, with the nature, and that's their way of life. Uh, shall we approach them to show them the modern world? Maybe yes. Uh, but, you know, we should not enforce them to, you know, like to be just like us. Uh, so let them make their decision. And I think uh, that's the best decision. But at least uh, we have these representatives of these indigenous people, and uh, they should be included in policymaking. I think what happens is it would be great if we just left them alone. But if in like in the Amazon and in the deforestation that goes on, it's it's not a benign contact. Mm-hmm. Their their where their land where they're living is being encroached upon, so they are being dragged into our world, and it's not it's not benign. It's yes, and also. Uh, climate change is a, a huge uh, topic, and uh, so what we do as the whole world uh, people, so that is impacting uh, these people and their environments. And like currently, we heard about the, the policy uh, made by uh, the the government of Canada to ban uh, plastic usage uh, or to at least reduce it, uh. because now we hear a lot of news about uh, whales that are eating plastic and dying out of plastic or like dolphins or like sharks. And that is all ruining the the eco, eco you know ecological uh, you know like uh, uh, ecology of the system, whole world the, the system yes are, are just going out and and I was told recently that a lot of these things that we think we're recycling are not really getting recycled at all and they're ending up as you say in the bellies of these fish right. and I don't know how many species are going extinct right. every moment of the day you know let me give you just you know since we're talking about ecology and uh, environment uh, we had our uh, annual dif- uh, iftar dinner, uh, the JWF iftar dinner, on uh, May 28th uh, with the uh, UN diplomats and the uh, NGOs from different, uh, you know, like uh, NGOs. And we had, we talked about preserving our nature, preserving our uh, nature and how do we, uh, you know, like uh, preserve it for the next generations. And we had this seed pencil a pencil that has seeds on the back. And we gave every person this seed pencil with a little note that this is your mission. So when you go home, please, you know, like put this seed pencil uh, in a, uh, you know, like in a, in a bucket uh, with uh, some soil. And so we would like you to at least, you know, like uh, bring this message back to your home. And then when this uh, seed blossoms, then that will remind you about uh, the ecology and uh, deforestation 
and how we become like responsible global citizens to our environment. Well, this this great course that I just took at Hunter in Nature and Spirit, and now we know that everything is sentient. Everything has a mind, from the trees to the worms to the, you know, it's kind of the Jan philosophy that people practiced yes. years ago. And so we, we've got... We, if we don't take care of this earth, you know, it's not going to be around. And if we didn't learn from that picture, that great picture from space, that we are all one planet. And, you know, we really should learn to live in peace and harmony. And I grew up in that environment of that kind of thinking. And so this is like mother's milk to me. You know, it's wonderful. And I hope to become more involved if there's anything I can do to join your organization. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful mission that you have. And um, as I said, we definitely would like to go back to Turkey and enjoy the wonderful food and the ambiance, and we will someday. So I want to thank you so much for coming. We'll continue the conversation. And um, this is Susie on Let's Travel Radio, and until we meet again, I'll be in tow, and follow us on Twitter. Arrivederci. How do you say goodbye in Turkish? Or see you soon. Hoşçakalın. Stay well. Hoşçakalın. Better for you to say it than me. <laughs> okay. Thank Susan, you. thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity and to speak to your audience. And I think, uh, you know, like uh, the mission is accomplished and we would like to be global citizens. We would like to have a peaceful and inclusive society that we live in a, this global world and we have to uh, uh, respect one another. We have to cherish our commonalities, but we have to learn about differences as well. That uh, makes us inclusive uh, society. And uh, thank you so much again. And we hope to, you know, like uh, see you again. And uh, we uh, would like, uh, you know, like uh, our listeners to go to our website as oh, well. What's, what's your website for the for your organization? Yes, uh, our website is jwf.org. Uh, journalists, writers, foundation.org, jwf.org. And we'll put that on our website. Great. So thank you again. And uh, it's Susie. We'll be back. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away.